Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, I'm Brianna Seely, producer for Offscript Health. Welcome to the Heart of Healthcare. Before we get started today, I'd like to tell you another show in the Offscript Health podcast network. The Cycle. The Cycle is a podcast about endometriosis. Join host Melissa Boudreau in listening to the stories from people all over the world and learn helpful information about the disease and ways to cope with it. Check out the latest episode, Across the Pond with Elva, where Elva tells us about her surgeries, the ups and downs of having endometriosis, and surgery tips for when you're in the hospital. For more information, visit offscript.com shows. The link will be in our show notes. Enjoy the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome to The Heart of Healthcare. I'm really excited to share that we are giving away $25,000 and we need your help. Do you know a healthcare organization that's really moving the needle in public health? Maybe they're helping prevent teen pregnancies or doing research in environmental health. Let them know about the Heart of Healthcare Grant Challenge. We are taking applications until September 10th on our website, heartofhealthcarepodcast.com. Did you know that ageism is bad for your health? A Yale study found that ageism leads to worse outcomes in a number of mental health conditions and a number of physical health conditions, including a shorter life expectancy. Yet ageism is the one ism that affects us all. We all age if we're so lucky. Today, we're gonna be talking about aging and ageism, and I'm thrilled to be talking to one of my role models, Cindy Gallup. Cindy is a vocal advocate, helping shine a light on this problem and helping educate and find solutions for ageism and sexism across all industries. After a successful career in advertising, Cindy launched her current company on the TED stage with the goal to end ageism, increase happiness, and bring about world peace. You'll learn exactly what her company does later in the show. Cindy, thanks for being here. I'm thrilled to be here. So you've been fighting ageism in advertising for quite some time. Can you just kind of lay the groundwork for us in understanding how advertising and media has been ageist for quite some time and how that impacts everyone. Sure. I think what I would emphasize is that, quite frankly, every industry is ageist. The entire world is ageist. But this especially matters in any industry in popular culture. 
And so I have for many years been combating ageism in the advertising industry because ageism in the advertising industry translates into ageist depictions in advertising. And advertising is a very powerful cultural force that absolutely has the ability to shape attitudes and behavior in the real world. And so separate to how much changing ageism could benefit my industry as a whole, it's just really important for society that my industry overcomes its ageism and as a result is able to shape attitudes and behavior around age for the better in the real world. Certainly seeing these ageist ads and consuming them, having them absorb throughout your entire life, what sort of kind of emotional or mental health issues could that create? I mean, you could, I'm just, you know, suggesting perhaps you could face depression, shame, anxiety about aging because you're seeing these anti-aging adverts everywhere. I'm frequently asked in interviews and have been for many years, so Cindy, what sexism did you encounter coming up the ranks in the advertising industry? And my response is always, a fish does not know what water is. Because that's how ubiquitous sexism Mm. was and is in my industry all around me. Mm. And when I was a young woman working in advertising, I had no idea that what I was encountering was sexism because it was it precisely because it was so ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing about ageism. Most people don't even realize how much ageism has impacted the way in which they value themselves and the way in which they regard themselves because it's so insidious and it is all around us. Mm. And and you know, I've had interesting conversations with this over the years with people because I was being interviewed specifically about ageism the other day, and the woman who was interviewing me, I told an anecdote, and she realized that even as somebody who is, um, in her case, she was making a documentary about ageism, even somebody who is like examining this topic closely, she had absolutely engaged in this behavior herself. And the anecdote I told was that some years ago, I took part in a panel at Refinery29 with a number of other older women. And so I was in the green room beforehand, and a gentleman who came in and was introduced to all of us and, you know, shook my hand and said, you know, I'm very pleased to meet you. And I went, I'm thrilled to be here. You know, I am, and I think at the time I was um, 59 or, um, or 60, I can't remember, and um, and I said, you know, I'm thrilled to be here because I'm 59 or whatever. And he went, oh, oh, you don't look it. Mm, and I went, no, mm-hmm. I do. This is what 59 looks like. <laughs> okay, that, that yeah. is ageism in action. And whenever any one of us hears someone's age and says reassuringly, flatteringly, oh, oh, don't worry, you don't look it, that is mm-hmm. ageism. Buy, buying your friend a birthday card that is deploring the fact she or he is getting older, that's ageism. Yeah. And so, because ageism is all around us and we are operating it in everything we do unthinkingly. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the important thing to be aware of, and again, this is why I feel so strongly about combating ageism, is that ageism operates at every single point of the age spectrum. Mm-hmm. We begin encountering ageist behavior from the moment we're born. And you can encounter bias because you are deemed to be too young especially, by the way, if you're a woman, just as much as you can encounter bias if you're deemed to be too old, again, especially if you're a woman. 
Mm-hmm. And so the impact is is absolutely ubiquitous and insidious. And it is why, especially women, feel that they lose their worth as they get older. It's why women feel unattractive as they get older. And it's why I, and especially, you know, my own venture, Make Love Not Porn, are here to say that getting older is amazing. The older you get, the more valuable you get. And the mm. older you get, the sexier you get. So a lot of women point to injustice in their aging experience, recounting this like external pressure from society about appearances that are completely different from aging men. I think one example is gray hair, right? We, we, we call men with gray hair, if they're handsome, a silver fox. And women are just constantly bombarded with advertisements to dye your hair another color that's not natural for you at that time. You see this, obviously, because you do do a lot of advocacy around ageism, but also around sexism. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are some other kind of aging experiences that are on the shoulders of women, but not on men that are just like totally unjust? The way I like to come at this topic um, is really to focus on how we change all of this. And that this is why you know, I've been talking to my industry for years about, and, and, and by the way, this is a general directive to the advertising industry, but, but it especially applies in this context, which is, you know, I want us to reinvent aspirational culture around aging. And that's because my industry is extremely good at inventing aspirational culture. Historically, the way we did that was we invented aspiration around things that were material. You know, it was all about, you know, buy this and this will give you that status. Buy this to be the envy of the neighbors, whether it's a car or a house or some kind of luxury item. And there is a huge opportunity which nobody is taking. And and by the way, this applies in every industry, not just advertising, to reinvent aspirational culture around aging and make a ton more money. Because contrary to popular mistaken opinion, we older people do not aspire to be young. Younger people aspire to be us. Mm -hmm. And that's because when you are this age, when you are older, you don't give a shit about anything. We absolutely know what matters, you know, in life, in relationships. We have our own sense of personal style, home style, home decor. We know what we want. We are the ones with a disposable income, predominantly. We can travel. We can do the things we want to. We have far less constraints on our behavior. And younger people find that enormously aspirational. Absolutely. And so I want to see advertising and movies and television and publishing reinvent aspirational culture around aging, absolutely use the aspiration of being older to sell brands, products, and services, and see the extraordinary amount of revenue you would unlock when you do that. And what about some other industries? Let's take tech, for instance, an industry that you've worked in for a while. They're literally tech managers at startups who put out job descriptions with the word young in it. We're looking for a young product manager. Uh, This happens all the time. Where are you kind of seeing a potential shift or, or potential value that we could capture by removing ageism in other industries? So again, I've been talking about this for years because I make the point to businesses in every sector that it is so extraordinarily time and cost efficient 
to hire, promote, and value older people. And that's because of a whole host of reasons. First of all, we know exactly what to do in any given business crisis or difficult situation. Because when you've been round the block 64 million times, you know exactly how to solve any business problem that presents itself yes. very quickly, very, very efficiently. Yes. And you know it's normal, so you don't need to panic. Yeah. We don't run around going, the sky is falling. We are very, very good at managing people. And I say that because managing people is something no business ever trains anybody for. And you only gain that expertise over years and decades of experience. Mm. When you are good at managing people, you solve 50% of any company's business problems immediately. Because we know how to motivate and inspire we know how to de-escalate conflict. We know how to build teams and encourage them to work together effectively. We know how to drive collaboration. And I can't even begin to tell you how time and cost effective all of that is. I could go on and on and on. But the fact of the matter is, ageism is losing the US economy millions and billions of dollars in value every year. And this is true of every other country. When we eradicate ageism, when we value, hire, promote, and champion older people, we turbocharge the U.S. economy to previously unseen heights. Social media usage is like heavily skewed under 30. I don't know the exact numbers on it, but maybe even under 25. And I do think that that probably plays a role in the influencers that you see and what kind of content and life stories you're hearing as someone who is consuming social media, more of the influencers are going to skew younger. And also, you know, there are many, many older and very influential users of TikTok, etc. Yes. But, you know, what I would say again is I go back to my point about reinvent aspirational culture around ageism, especially when it comes to whom you consider to be an influencer. So the fact is there, there's a growing population and by 2035, which is just around the corner, there will be more people 65 and older than under age 18. Do you think we're going to be able to meet the needs of this massively shifting demographic? First of all, I am thrilled by the number of entrepreneurs that I see absolutely seeing the need to start companies and build products and services for older people to help with the process of aging. And, um, and by the way, that applies also to the huge number of entrepreneurs, especially female founders, building terrific things in the care space that encompass both childcare and elder care. I'm an advisor to the wonderful Vanessa Lewis founder. Um, she's the founder of a terrific studio for these solutions called Silver Life. I gave her that mm -hmm. name. Um, <laughs> and so, so, so I'm thrilled to be a part of, you know, helping her basically identify and, and, and grow these businesses. So I'm, I'm enormously encouraged by that. Mm -hmm. But I think, and, and again, because all of this is intersectional, you know, I, I really encourage people to bring a very different lens to the bias that exists across all of these fronts. Because the issue actually is not about how do we bring more diversity and inclusion into every industry. 
It's how do we get the sexists, the racists, the misogynists, the homophobes, and the ageists out? And when you think about it like that, that drives some very different action. We'll be right back after the break. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So let's shift topics to one of your favorite topics, sexual health. Can you talk about how sexual health and society's perception of what our desires should be as we age is just wrong? It all stems really from the same source as every other issue with sexual health, which is that globally, we do not openly acknowledge sex as a fact of life. We do not acknowledge this universal human experience as being entirely natural. As a result, we have stigmatized it. We've imbued it with shame, guilt, and embarrassment. Therefore, there is no open conversation and adequate education around sex and sexual health. And therefore, there are many very bad outcomes across a whole spectrum of mental health issues of health issues, of sexual harassment, abuse, violence, rape culture, revenge porn, and many, many very happy relationships because of unsatisfactory sex. And, you know, that is why I always say that Make Love Not Porn operates in the single biggest market of them all. Not sex, not porn, the market of human happiness. Because what we are talking about is an extraordinary bias that results in very, very bad public health outcomes and public happiness outcomes. So as as someone is aging and their sexuality is changing, is it changing or is it just our perception of us as sexual beings as we get older? First of all, make love, not porn. We are pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. 
we are the world's only window onto the funny, loving, beautiful, comical, awkward sex we all have in the real world. If porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is a badly needed documentary. (laughs) We exist to celebrate the full glorious spectrum of human sexuality. And so we have many older contributors sharing their real world sex on Make Love Not Porn. Mm. And, you know, we get many amazing emails, both from older people who go, it's so wonderful to see people our age having an amazing sex life. Yeah. And younger people going, oh, my God, you know, it's so wonderful to see that, that you know, we can carry on having sex for as long <laughs> as possible yeah. because that's what we want to do. You know, yeah. we celebrate real world everything. So we celebrate real world bodies real-world hair, real-world penis size, real-world breast size, real-world vulvas. And that's incredibly important because you can talk body positivity all you like. You can preach self-love until you're blue in the face. At the end of the day, nothing makes people feel great about their own bodies. Like seeing people who are no one's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other, Mm. desiring each other, having an amazing time in bed. In a world where every message popular culture sends every one of us every single day is, you are not hot, sexually attractive and desirable, unless you are this skinny, six-pack abs, this young, look like this. Our members write to us and say, you made me feel better about my own body. Mm. You know, one man wrote to us and said, my girlfriend and I now feel able to be more open and central with each other because you made each of us feel better about our own mm. bodies. And yeah. so we do that for everybody, but we especially do that for older people and older women who, again, because of the ageism that literally is in the air all around us, think that they lose their sexual desirability as they get older. And we and all our members that Make Love Not Porn are here to say absolutely bloody not. I think that's valuable for everyone. Absolutely. So tell us about founding Make Love Not Porn, growing it, and you've been quite vocal about some of the responses you've gotten from venture capitalists in the past. Sure. So, I mean, Make Love Not Porn is an accident. I didn't intend to to, to build the world's first social sex video sharing platform. Um, It came about because of my direct personal experience dating younger men. The men I date tend to be in their 20s. And realizing 14, 15 years ago now that I was encountering what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence because most people think it's only one thing. I realized I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. It's when those two factors converge that porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. And so I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 14, 15 years ago, nobody was talking about this. Mm. No one was writing about it. This was me in complete isolation as a naturally action-oriented person going, I want to do something about this. So 13 years ago, I put up on no money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original iteration was just copy. The construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. 
I had the opportunity to launch Make Love Not Porn at TED in 2009. I became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face on the TED stage, six (laughs) times in succession. The talk went viral as a result, and it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Thousands of people wrote to me from every single country in the world. Young and old, male and female, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out. I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so I built a business solution to it. And that is today makelovenotporn.tv. And we are the startup the world was crying out for. And um, a couple of really frustrating things about that, because the opportunity is huge. Uh, what, What we're doing is, you know, what I decided to do very simply, um, because as I said, the issue isn't porn, the issue is we don't talk about sex in the real world. And if we did, amongst many benefits, people would then be able to bring a real world mindset when they view what is simply performative produced entertainment. And so given our entire mission is to make it easier for everyone to talk about sex, I decided very simply to take every dynamic in social media and apply them to this one area no other social network platform will allow in order to socialize sex and to make real world sex and talking about it socially acceptable and therefore ultimately just as socially shareable as anything else we share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. And I can't begin to tell you the value that we unlock when we do that. What I've been saying to investors for years is, oh my God, the money to be made out of sex. But the management of sex in two areas, the second one which no one ever thinks about because nobody thinks it's possible. So the first area is obviously the money made out of sex generally. We all have it. We all enjoy it. And especially right now in the downturn, recession-proof. The market never, ever goes away. <laughs> but the second area is, oh, my God, the money to be made out of socially acceptable sex. Because when you do what we're doing with Make Love Not Porn and the roadmap I'm currently raising funding for, socializing and normalizing all of this, you then normalize people perfectly happy to openly, publicly buy your goods, products and services, then publicly do what they do with everything else, recommend, review, advocate, share, and publicly badge themselves as brand ambassadors. That's the trillion-dollar future I'm going after. Mm. And so what is very frustrating is, first of all, you know, I had no idea when I embarked on this venture that I and my tiny team would fight a huge battle every single day to build it, basically because every piece of business infrastructure other tech startups take for granted, we can't. The small print always says no adult content. Mm-hmm. And that applies to funding, banking, payments, tech services, um, promotion. We are banned from advertising anywhere. I've kept Make Love Not Porn operational for 10 years on just $3 million of funding. That's an extraordinary feat. Yeah. But you know, also, because we're banned from advertising everywhere, we're banned on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, Reddit, I ask you, Google search, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok. And by the way, for anyone who's listening who isn't aware of this, this is utterly gendered. It's not just make love, not porn and sex-related ventures. 
all female-led sexual health and wellness ventures are banned from advertising as well. Yep. Menstruation ventures can't advertise. Menopause can't. Fertility can't. Yep. In the meantime, male sexual health and wellness, not a problem. Erectile dysfunction <laughs> solutions, come on in. So I have spent 13 years parallel pathing two things, working to build Make Love Not Porn and working to change the cultural and business context around it. Because when you have a truly world-changing startup, you have to change the world to fit it, not the other way around. And the good news is that I'm finally seeing, 13 years later, all of that work pay off because the barriers are finally coming down. And the world and investors are now absolutely ready to understand what it is that I and Make Love Not Porn are doing and why it's so critically important to the not just to the world at large, but to the future of humanity, and why it also has the potential to make an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money. And will you take their money now, now that they're ready? Here's the deal on how I find investors. So I don't go anywhere near VC because my challenge in the conventional funding world is the social dynamic that I call fear of what other people will think, which operates around sex unlike any other area. And that absolutely operates in venture. Too many stakeholders, too many partners, too many LPs. So one thing you said was that porn is sex ed, but not in a good way. And the unlearning that needs to happen and that you've seen with partners of your own do you have any thoughts on how we can raise this next generation to have no shame around sex, to be thoughtful partners? And when does that start? And does does Make Love Not Porn have a, have a role in that? So when I say to people that Make Love Not Porn's mission is a very simple thing, make it easy to talk about sex. Because we don't do that currently, people don't get how massively, profoundly society transformative that would be. And here's what I mean. I designed Make Love Not Porn around all my own beliefs and philosophies, one of which is that everything in life starts with you and your values. So I regularly ask people this question, what are your sexual values? And nobody can ever answer me because we're not taught to think like that. Our parents bring us up to have good manners, work ethic, sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed, but they should. Because in bed, values like empathy, sensitivity, generosity, kindness, honesty, trust, respect are as important as those values are in every other area of our lives where we're actively taught to exercise them. So here's my vision for a world in which Make Love Not Porn is funded to achieve our social mission at scale as the Facebook of social sex, which is what I want to be globally. Parents will then bring their children up openly to have good sexual values and good sexual behavior in exactly the same way that parents currently bring kids up to have good values and behavior in every other area of life. We will therefore cease to bring up rapists. Because the only way that you end rape culture, and by the way, this really is the only way, is by embedding in society and openly talked about, promoted, operated, and very importantly, aspired to gold standard of what constitutes good sexual values and good sexual behavior. When we do that, we also end Me Too. We end sexual harassment, abuse, violence, 
or areas where the perpetrators currently rely on the fact that we do not talk about sex to ensure their victims will never speak up, never go to authorities, never tell anybody. When we end that, we massively empower women and girls worldwide. When we do that, we create a far happier world for everybody, including men. And when we do that, we are one step closer to world peace. I talk about Make Love Not Porn as my attempt to bring about world peace, and I'm not joking. Amazing. Well, Cindy, this has been a wonderful conversation. So illuminating. Thank you so much for your time today. Honey, I'm enormously grateful um, for you inviting me on and being willing to have this conversation, which is such an important one. And um, I'm just thrilled that you're opening up these really crucial dialogues for all of us. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Heart of Healthcare. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. The Heart of Healthcare is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seely. Our host is Hallie Tecco. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seely. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.